Put the fucking mic on. How we doing, folks? It's your boy, DP Barstool Sports Starting Nine, and you are listening to the End of the Bench. Scoot your ass down. Welcome to another episode of End of the Bench. It's episode 131. I know it's been a minute. Kind of delayed some episodes. It's been a while, but we're back. And on this episode, we got a guest, an only guest. It's Matt Carriford, former wide receiver at the University of Alabama. He's got two SEC championships and a national title under his belt. He's got the ring. He's got it all. Played for Alabama with Nick Saban. We talked about stories with Nick. We talked about stories with his teammates. I can rattle off some names here. You guys know the names. Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith, Tua, Jalen Hurts, his best friend, Mac Jones. I mean, this guy has played with the best Bama players, you could arguably say ever. Some really good talent that are also in the NFL right now. And then we also discussed him transferring after four years at Alabama to go play at Vanderbilt. Unfortunately, he had an injury and other situations and other circumstances that happened, and he won't be playing football anymore. We talk about that, and it's a little emotional. He doesn't really talk about it that much, but I got to... I got, I, got, I got him to talk about it, which was super interesting. And we talked about how he's a social media influencer and how I met him on Clubhouse. And guess what, boys and girls? Go follow him on Clubhouse. Go follow me on Clubhouse. Because I'm just starting to pick it up on Clubhouse. I've been on Clubhouse for about uh, two months now. I got a club called MLB on CH, which CH means Clubhouse. Um, I actually have an interview with... Two-time All-Star Shea Hillebrand on Thursday at 8 p.m. You don't want to miss that. Marketing your calendar. Go follow me. Go follow the club. It would be great for you to stop by and listen, and then we'll do a short Q&A at the end. This will be about a 45-minute interview with Shea. But sit back, relax, go listen to Mac Hereford and I talk about his career and how he became this huge social media influencer. So uh, let's get started right now. Today's guest, we got a two-time SEC champion, a national champion. He is a celebrity on Clubhouse. It's Matt Carrifer. What's up, brother? How are we doing, Taylor? Uh, thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Yeah, dude. Uh, this is a long time coming. I've I first was introduced to you on on Clubhouse, but we'll get into Clubhouse in a minute. But I wanted to get through your career at Bama and how you started Alabama because that's you know it's everyone's favorite place to play. It's the best. <laughs> football college in in the world so i know you were a walk-on but you have to tell me how the recruiting process was going coming out of high school because i know football and the recruiting process from high school to college is intense it's serious it's mentally draining so take me through that whole process going in yeah so uh i, I went to a high school in virginia called woodbury forest it's a uh, all boys boarding school um, crazy story how I ended up there. Just like my oldest brother, I'm in a big family. My oldest brother, um, decided to go there randomly. And then like, just, I love the school I was at in, in home in Alabama, but this school in Virginia, Woodbury Forest had like a lot of opportunity, like presented a lot of doors opening, you know, opening a lot of doors, meeting a lot of new people, um, and seemed like the harder route to go, but the route that would, you know, give me more opportunities and exactly where I wanted to be. Uh, and so decided to go there, um, and played football. You know, I did like literally freshman ball. Like I did, you know, JV as a sophomore, um, junior, I was on varsity. So I did like the whole way through. I didn't like skip any, like, you know, levels of it. And I always, when I was younger, wanted to play at Alabama. That was like just my dream growing up in Alabama, uh, being a huge fan, whole family, like my mom going there, my, uh, grandmother's grandmother grandfather like every you know all my aunts and uncles all this um and so I I guess that I knew I wanted to play college ball and especially I guess Woodbury was a catalyst to really putting that into action because I was around guys with you know who were high achievers guys who wanted to succeed at the next level um because it's a boarding school you know you're gonna have a lot of athletes who are top in their sport from all over the country all over the world um and I guess in high school, my junior year, 
I started driving myself to camps. Uh, my parents absolutely loved the way they kind of did my whole recruiting thing, which was instead of where like, you had these kind of parents who were at every game, all this stuff, you know, they would come obviously from Alabama whenever they could, but for camps in the summer, when I was going to these, like what do you call satellite camps, which is say, for example, I went to South Alabama satellite camp. Um, it's where they'll have, it's not like their main camp, but it's their, like, you know, a, a little feeder camp that you go to that we're like more of the, re- like the prospects are rather than the kids coming just for like the, the whole get up type camp. Uh, so I, I was going to those college camps um, all over Alabama, driving myself to them, uh, signing myself up and paying for them uh, junior year, high school. Uh, and then senior year comes around, um, had some weird situations with like some guys on our team. Someone got injured over the summer. They actually moved me to outside linebacker right before wow. the season I never played defense uh except in like rec right. league ball um and a little bit in you know freshman year so I was like holy cow I've been training we had a four-star quarterback at the time uh, I was throwing with all the time and I was like or he's five-star four-star whatever Lindell Stone threw with him all that summer you know all in the spring did really well in the spring game as a receiver and I'm like gosh I'm having to do a position swap right here like coach asked me if I was willing to do it and like you know, it's hard to say no. I was like on the, our team's leadership committee and just like a lot of pressure. Uh, right. So kind of just said, you know what, I'll do what's ever best for the team. Started out that season actually playing outside linebacker, but right before the beginning of the season, that guy was actually healthy and coaches like, you know, we actually need you water receiver now. So I'm switching wow. back. Uh, have an interesting senior season. Um, could go on and on about high, high, like stuff that happened in high school football uh, in the high school area, but specifically moving on to like recruiting, like you were talking about, uh, it was a good process. I mean, it it was fun. It was a learning process. A lot of people had their parents helping them. Um, and you know, other people they hire or whatnot. I really just kind of did it all on my own. Um, which again, I'm thankful my parents did it that way. Cause it, it's like, if I really wanted it, I'm going to go get it. Uh, and so I was contacting coaches. I was like calling coaches, et cetera. Uh, and then I went to a camp, I guess it was that junior summer. Um, and I, I witnessed a tight end rather than a wide receiver to Alabama's camp. Uh, my quarterback, Lyndall Stone, who's at Virginia now, ended up coming to that camp as well, same time. And he was getting like recruited by Alabama. So they had him on like a field. And, and he, every time he would be like, you know, Mac, get up here or whatever. Uh, and, and I would get up there and I would be at the tight end position because you have no pads. So it was like, for me, it was like a smart thing to do. Like, okay, if there's, there's no pads, we're doing a lot of seven on seven. I can do, you know, this tight end stuff and burn these linebackers, like regardless of how highly recruited or whatnot. Um, and, and, you know, was doing really well. I had like a one-handed catch that nice. like from Lindell, et cetera. Uh, and Bobby Williams, the special teams coordinator at the time came up to me. was like, what's your name? You know, like, blah, blah, blah. Like wrote my name down. And then they had a director uh, football operations come up to me took my name was like you know we'd love for you to come to some games this year and I was just sitting there like you know this is wild like holy cow uh, I would have never expected this and so there were teams like D a lot of D3 schools reached out sure. um, I, I talked to some I, I really to me it was the fact that they were interested which made me feel good um, and so I was like I'd, you know talk to them I'd consider it but really I think my mindset the whole time was Alabama um, even when, you know, smaller D1 schools, D1 FCS schools were coming out um, and trying to offer me, um, it, it kind of was just always Alabama. And I, I don't know if I would ever like I ever said that straight up, but everyone kind of knew at my school, that's where I wanted to go. Uh, went through that season and like, you know, on breaks, they had me to games. Like I, I went for a game visit. They had a, uh, you know, a recruiting person come meet me at the entrance of Brian Denny uh, or like gate, one of the gates, gate 27, actually. Um and unbelievable game experience like this person took me into the onto the field at the beginning of the game for warm-ups uh then took me back up into this like area with all the other That's recruits sick. we had food yeah. um you know they bought you popcorn water like whatever uh you know for that experience game experience a ton of fun and then coach Saban talked to us after and uh wow. you know would talk to different guys individually um and then I came back down for like an unofficial official uh, because they gave me a preferred walk-on spot, which, you know, I, I guess at some schools it means something, some it doesn't. In Alabama, it actually meant like, a, you know, I didn't have to try out or anything like that. Like I'm coming in with scholarship guys um, and, you know, 
I, I guess it's 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 nice because they recruited me some and I, and I got that experience of coming down again and then getting a tour and you know going into Bryant Denny going to all the practice facilities um, and you know those other schools I'd talk to those coaches but again like I said I was I was kind of set on Alabama and then when they made it you know official official and called me and we're like look like we're 100 percent we really do want you to come here we want you to play we think you can make an impact you know, we, we think that you can get a scholarship in a certain amount of time. And like compared me to a guy at the time named Michael Nicewander, sure. who was there. Uh, and I was like, look, I, I didn't even get off the phone. I was like, look, I'm, I'm coming. Uh, <laughs> I'm there. I'm, on I'm my way. there. Um, yeah, and, and then that was hysterical. Yeah. Just cause my parents, I, I think I tweeted it or something or, or something. And some like Bama sites started like posting about it, all these articles and my parents call me and they're like, are you sure this is real? And I'm like, yes. Like, what are y'all talking about? They're like, they had to call the coach themselves. I mean, it was, That's it hilarious. was ridiculous. Well, but. dude, man, you, you it, it's your story is so unique because you did it all on your own. It's not like, you know, you had no family and there was no one there to help you. You wanted to do it on your own. You manifested yourself. You're like, if I want this, I'm going to go and get it. And I'm going to do it myself. I appreciate my parents being there. But you don't, you don't hear this story that much where going into camps that seriously people are invited to, you know, big name recruits, like you were saying, big name guys that are going to these D1 powerhouses. And then you show up, you got to have this little chip on your shoulders. Like, look, I'm doing all this shit by myself. That's got to be like the benchmark of your professional business career as well because like it kind of shows people in the business world that like you can do it on your own and you can get the shit done so that must that must be super like a super proud moment for you when you put the pads on for the first time at practice all the hard work all the stuff on your own family's behind you and you actually did it i'm sure that must have been a absolutely like like a breath of a fresh air almost you know yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it definitely was. It It's interesting. I mean, I guess it's human nature, but it's kind of like when I got there, when, you know, I was kind of like, okay, I'm here at Alabama. This is pretty wild. Like, just thankful to be here. Give it like four days in. I'm like, okay, I'm here to play. Like, I, you know right, what I'm saying? Man. Like, a lot of guys come in and like, they, there's this like walk on mentality. You got some guys who come in and they're like, they're fine with just riding the wave, which look, to those guys like I mean a lot of those guys are some of my really good friends I you know sure. I respect them they're doing their job at practice but they didn't have that want to like like get out there get out there um and I, I thought I could compete you know like I said it, a couple of days in it was like I had new goals and new dreams and new aspirations so I couldn't even get a breath of like oh this is awesome I don't think I'd ever like honestly I, wow. I guess the, the first little couple of days maybe but Really, it was just like my mind just reset and was like, it, you know, on to the next thing. And I, and I was like, I can do this. I can do even more um, and sure. accomplish more. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was pretty amazing. And it's, again, I, I during the time, I was like, I wish, told my parents, I was like, I wish y'all would do something. Like, they, you know, they, they like call some coaches because these other parents are calling coaches. They're like literally getting their kids offers. Um, and I'm going to like these combines or whatnot by myself, like trying to talk to coaches it my high school to drive me to them or whatnot. And like, but I, I'm so thankful for that because they just kind of laid the building blocks of just what it means to work hard and really want something and just put those things, you know, in front of me and just showed me like love and encouragement and just support. And it's like that, which made me able to accomplish those things. And like, sure. you know, I, I wouldn't have had it any other way. Well, it's like a, it's a huge character trait. Like I, I've known you for about a month or two, right. On clubhouse. First time I actually seeing your face in person. I'm hearing more stories about you and your character. You are a go-getter. You will get it done. However, in what way possible. If I'm going to get what I want, I'm going to achieve my goal. I'm going to get it. And I'm sure Saban and the rest of the staff and, the, and your players and your other teammates love that about you. Because from what I've seen, you are a leader. And where you, I know you weren't a starter. You weren't you know, the, the Henry Ruggs or the Jerry Judy's of the world. Right. But I'm sure you were one of the leaders that guys went to for on or off the field issues or, or personal things, whatever. I'm sure that I'm, am I correct? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, um, I enjoyed that a lot too. Like, I just love that 
you know, that's part of the, one of the reasons I love the sport of football. Um, but yeah, absolutely. There's guys I had relationships with off the field, really all of my, <laughs> I loved all of my teammates, but, sure. um, you know, I, I would consider myself a leader. I don't really like to say like, Oh, I'm a leader or whatnot, but there's guys who definitely, you know, would, would probably say that like I had an impact in that kind of way, or when I walked in the locker room or, you know, the standard I tried to hold, whether it be like keeping the locker room clean or, you know, sticking after to help the the janitors do something or just treating people with respect. Like a lot of the staff, that was one of the main things is just like showing that like, you know, like everyone is, is there, everyone's trying to work hard and everyone's a crucial part of the program, regardless of their player, coach, janitor, and like nutritionist. Um, but so, yeah, I tried to lead by example a lot in that way um and just be the best teammate I could be so I, I definitely enjoyed that and yeah guys definitely I still talk to some of the guys today who are still there um sure help them with some stuff so I mean you got to play with some of the best players in Bama history I'm, I'm telling you I mean you know what, what I'm <laughs> saying you fucking know already like I got you got Henry Ruggs you got Jerry Judy Josh Jacobs Tua Jalen Hurts your boy, Mac Jones. I mean, like you, you have a bunch of guys that you've played with. If it's either the quarterback side, wide receiver side, tell me a story. I know there's millions of them, but tell me one of your favorite stories. One of those guys, or maybe a player I didn't mention over your four year career at Bama. Uh, that's a toughie. Um, yeah. Let me think. Uh, there's a ton of, ton of good stories. Um, I would say one, and I, 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 you know, it's, I've told it to some people before, but just one of the stories I love about somebody that kind of just expresses or shows who they are. It's the reason I had so much faith in him this year when he was at Alabama as Mac Jones is you have a guy who comes in and I, I tweeted a picture a while back uh, and he looks like a twig. Like he, he, he literally looks like he should not be. I mean, I, yeah, I saw was that a, photo. I saw that. Yeah. On. Yeah. Mac Jones is a scholarship guy. looks like he's not even in, you know, 10th grade yet. Uh, but <laughs> he comes in there and um, we immediately have a good friendship just off the bat. Like we, I, I was a huge field rat in high school. Like it, whether it be like the weekend, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, like in the mornings throwing, like I'm throwing with the quarterback. I love quarterbacks, like any quarterback. I'm, they're like my best friend. I just, with their personalities, not only that, but like also just with being, you know, loving to catch like I absolutely love it so Mac Jones and I became friends really early when he came on campus uh and we're throwing all the time like all the time we're throwing go do community service together whatever it was like we were always like hanging out um and then as the years go on like we continued to bond continue to throw uh you know in the spring game into my sophomore year uh sophomore year into that year spring I got to start in the spring game and he was the quarterback and like we we're pumped. Like that was everything to us. And uh, right. we won that, ended up winning that game um, and, you know, ton of fun, but Matt can continue to keep going. And just like, he, he was never this guy. No one ever expected him or thought of him as like the number one guy. It was always to uh, Jalen, you know, whatever it may be, Mac Jones was just sitting back there grinding. And as he's doing that, he's getting a little bit bigger. He's getting a little bit stronger, a little bit faster. Um, and his, and his throwing ability, he's having to throw with the scout team. Like, you know, the guys like me and some of the other guys who there's some good players down there. And there's a lot of scholarship guys who play scout team, but these DB you're playing against the first team DB. So guys are not always getting open. Like you're the defensive lines getting to you early. You're having to go through that mentally every single day. It could be like very, uh, you know, bad on your mental health or confidence because you're not really getting to win a lot. Like, you know what I'm saying? You're, you're right. out there. He's not getting to win. He's not completing all these passes. But I, like, you know, he, I talked to him about it and stuff all the time and like other guys talking to him and he just, he just didn't back down. It wasn't going to stop him. And he absolutely loved it. He loved to compete. That's my, I love the way he can, like we used to compete on the practice field. Absolutely awesome. Like make a great play, gets hype about it. You know, very, he could be a little emotional back in the day. Um, and then fast forward to the Michigan game when he comes in, you know, it's the first game. I think he like officially, officially started too. we know was out for the season it's the peach bowl not first game he officially started never mind take that back but just one of them and we're in this we're in this big bowl game um you know and he had played he played in the auburn game tennessee game that year so like some of the other games or whatever but you know he gets out there and it's like on 
I can't remember what quarter, but he gets he takes the ball and he's back in the pocket and he just absolutely throws a dime of a ball. Um extremely far. And right after that, he gets absolutely rocked. And I'm telling you, like, I was like, oh my God, is this guy gonna be okay? Like, holy like, you know, we might be at our third string quarterback right now in this game, would not be good. But no, like Mac Jones gets up off the ground quick. He stands up, like he looks at the sidelines. He's wipes off his jersey. That's what I'm talking and then about. Yeah. He's got a tag right here that's like the citrus bowl or orange bowl. Okay, I mix it up. Whatever bowl game we were playing in, the the tag or the you know patch is kind of like a little bit ripped off, and he just rips it off completely and throws it on the ground. And I'm like, this guy right here, like that's freaking Mac Jones. That, dude, that, that doesn't that, fire you up, dude. That, yeah, that, that fires everybody up. Dude, it, if I, I mean, there's a friend of mine, Pierce Quick, who was a offensive lineman. He was a freshman uh, that year, and we're sitting there and we're like, dude what the hell just happened? Like this guy is a warrior. Um, and, and so that's a story I guess I love to tell because it's just, it, it shows who he is, you know, like he, he was, he's a unbelievable quarterback, but he didn't get that, you know, most of the time these guys are coming in, they're five stars, whatever, you know, he didn't get that like placed in, you know, in the, in the seat of being the starter. He didn't get like to walk his way into that. And it wasn't like it was just a little battle. He had to work his tail off year after year after year and he used it to just build who he is today and now he's just this like baller like he's a freaking baller like i now he's in the NFL draft now yeah and exactly his story was so unique because when i was watching him in the in the bowl game this this past year they told the story about how hard he's worked you know it's like jalen hurts like the guy's a legend at bama right did he have the best success jalen hurts not at the end of his career wasn't but the guy was elite when it comes to quarterbacks at Bama. And then you have Tua and it's like, can Matt catch a break? I've heard, <laughs> I heard stories. I don't know if you can maybe confirm this, but he did feel some doubts from time to time. Like, am I ever going to throw the ball at Bama? And then he gets this shot and he absolutely tears it up this past season where I personally, for me, I, I'm a, I'm a Sooners fan. My dad's from <laughs> Oklahoma. Uh, Bama's kicked. Oklahoma's ass over the past couple of years. So uh, um, congrats to you guys. But the thing is, is that like he finally got his chance and he delivered. And it's like, you know, you got to just, when the, when the, when it comes to you have to take advantage and he did, and just telling you hearing that story from you, it just sounds like he was always up for the challenge, no matter what obstacle was in front of him. And he absolutely, took off but my last thing about um some of your teammates you know your wide receiver you were around some elite ones you know Devontae Smith and you were around Ruggs and uh Jerry Judy what did you learn from them when it comes to the game of football and route running and catching because those guys are in the NFL now or Smith will be in the NFL soon but I'm just saying like what did you learn from them when you were at practice or in in the training room recovery room whatever yeah, um, I mean, I could go on for years. I could write a book about what all these guys taught me. Uh, but the thing I look for the most and I appreciate the most and just kind of held on to, I guess I could say, is is the hard work, no matter how good you are. Because we look at places like you, you hear about schools that are top in the country, whether it be in basketball, football, tennis, whatever sport it may be, and these guys just being absolute ballers and, you know, right. whatever team it may be. And a lot of times people are like, that guy's so naturally gifted. And yes, like a lot of times they, especially at Alabama, these guys are extremely naturally gifted. But it was incredible to see guys like Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, you know, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell. When we go through drills, like warm-up drills, like, we're, you know, like we do, we would do yeah. a couple of drills before we do Quite our like insane. flex, like yeah. our flex, which is like our like warm-up stretch, like run through high knees, et cetera. And then we go on to Indy like individual stuff. Um, and it's supposed to be done full speed or whatnot, but it's kind of getting you ready for the rest of practice. We'll go over, we'll work on wide receiver, like fundamentals. These guys are going through this thing like 120%. And it could be fall camp, 100 and like, feel like 120 degrees. We're sweating. There's a picture of like me, Schmidt and some other guys. We got our helmets off. We're like, our faces are red. We got our hands on our hips. Like we're dying, but they didn't stop. And, and it's, and there was no, the standard of excellence that coach Saban held unbelievable. 
we, we didn't have guys going like, hey, like Coach Saban, my ankle hurts. You know, can I get out, you know, of this drill or, or going to a trainer and saying that. We had guys taped up with like fake hamstring things who had like torn ham, like, you know, not to that extent, but ridiculous right. like, stuff going on. And it was like, no, it, it doesn't matter. It's like, you're going to work and you're going to work, the, you know, the hardest you can possibly work. And it wasn't like we were forcing guys to do that or getting guys being like, hey, like you got to work harder. You know, you might always have an occasional guy like that. But these guys like Jerry, Judy, Henry Ruggs, Devontae Smith, Waddle. No, like they're they're grinding, absolutely like killing themselves, would never take a rep off. Um, and so that was, the, you know, the hard work part of it was the biggest thing. And again, I could go on for details on details sure. and details of route running mechanics and stuff like that, because they have all that and they did help a lot with that. But when it, when you like taking one big thing from them, that's the biggest thing I would say, take away from all those guys is just their hard work and determination. Well, it just sounds like they're just not human, you know, it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't sound like they're human beings. And I guess that's the Bamba way, right? It's the Bamba difference where they get guys like you and other players that can push themselves to the brink of exhaustion, right? Which I think is mm-hmm. absolute difference. But now you're done at Bama. Actually, I want to just talk about ending one more question with Bama. National champion, dude. Like, that's got to be the sickest thing on the planet, winning the national title and winning two SEC championships. When you see clocks and confetti's coming down, what is going through your mind? knowing that you're going to have a ring on that finger. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, it's hard to really, inc- like I've had, a, I have issues like sometimes explaining or like uh, describing like certain feelings. That's one of them. It's like this thing, like the first time I ran out of the tunnel, for example, or put on my Jersey, uh, something you can almost put into words, but I just remember, first of all, it was, you know, it was the Georgia game. It was the game that Tua threw the absolute dime of a pass. Dime piece, dude. Can't but get like, better than that. It, it was just a, this – imagine, like, you're pouring, I guess, like, water into a bowl. And, right. like, you, you know, the water is all your hard work and you're just continuously pouring and pouring. You're emptying your tank. You're like, oh, my gosh, like, is that ever going to fill up? And then that bowl just eventually just flooding over, you know, uh, all that joy and emotion and like everything you've put in all on this one thing, wow. just coming together, like all at once. And I, like, I, there's a picture I'm in the background of it, like doing like the number one running across the field, like Damian Harris is like kind of close. We're just going nuts because it, it, it felt amazing, but it almost felt like at the same time, it sounds weird. Like as happy as I was and everything, like we earned it. Like, you know, like, and I know everyone yeah, can say the same thing, but like, yeah, like we just grinded and grinded and grinded. Um, and just to see my teammates so happy and see the success pay off, like, again, it's hard to explain. I really need to work on figuring out the words to explain the exact feeling, but it's something I'll never forget. And like, I'll, uh, you know, I can just literally remember step by step, like getting up, grabbing my helmet, like the, certain steps I was making everything uh, and just celebrating with all the guys is unbelievable. Well, it's, it's funny how you say you can't like, you can't describe it. It's hard for you to talk about it. I mean, that's, it's pretty normal to be honest to you, man. The fact that it's something so special to you that you can't even find the words to it. That, that tells me everything. That it's a, it's a moment you've been dreaming of your entire life, wanting to play at Bama since you were a kid. You finally get to walk out of the tunnel, helmet in your hand, that crimson tied jersey on, and then you win the one thing that your entire team has worked all year for. You just explain it right there. You don't need to tell me word for word or your exact emotions. The fact that you can't even describe it tells me everything. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, that's exactly like people will ask me because the first time I it was, you know, a home game my freshman year and I'm seeing my jersey with my name on it, like, you know, the first home game of the year or whatever. And I'm like, right. holy cow, like this is all coming to fruition. It's it's a pretty beautiful thing. It's like, yeah, it's undes- it's indescribable. Dude, it's crazy. Now you're done at Bama and you're, now you're going on to Vandy. 
at Vanderbilt. I'll get this correct with people here. You are going to play at Vanderbilt. You're also getting your degree in marketing. Tell me what happened and why aren't you not playing at football at Vanderbilt? You can tell me as much as you can. Yeah, absolutely. And sorry, I'm moving around. I'm trying to like get a little bit comfortable. Uh, so uh, yeah, so I graduated Alabama. Um, I played there for four years. Absolutely loved it. Um, unbelievable experience. But there was a part of me that, you know, was like, I, I want to, and, and I'm not, you know, looking in hindsight, maybe I should have stayed another year. But at the same time, I was like, it, it just kind of, I'd been there for so long, I felt I'd paid my time. And I was, you know, I lived that experience that I wanted to live. Um, and, and so I wanted to move on and really play, play somewhere. Sure. Um, decided to end up going to, you know, into the transfer portal. First team that reached out, Vanderbilt. SEC, uh, you know, unbelievable school. And so I'm thinking like, wait, if I can get a master's at this place at Vanderbilt, you know, one of the top schools in the whole entire country for academics uh, while getting an opportunity to play, like that's what I want to do. And so talk to them a little bit over quarantine. I was training with a guy named Devlin Hodges or Doug Hodges. Um, sure. Who played. Of course. Yeah. Of course. He's a heck of yeah. a guy. We were grinding in quarantine, getting kicked off fields, having to find different fields to go to. Um, when everything was like, you know, tough, uh, like really tough during COVID. Um, and I hadn't really decided, but then I, you know, I, I FaceTime coach Mason, who was the former head coach at Vanderbilt had FaceTime me like, you know, two times. And I was talking to the wide receiver coach and, you know, I was just like, they, they want me like, it's clear these people, you know, they want me. Um, and there's some great people. Uh, and I was like, you know what, like, heck, I'm going to give it a shot. Um, little did I know how hard it would be just in COVID to, one, do the whole transfer process. I had to get into the school, but, you know, obviously football probably helped some. Uh, and then got there and was training. And it's like these little things at Alabama that I got so comfortable with, like the warming up for practice, the stretches we do, the weight room protocols, like all these things that are second nature that I could just go in Alabama and feel so comfortable in every lift. I didn't realize, you know, this is a reset. I'm at a whole different school. And so learning how they warm up at Vanderbilt, like some stuff I, I knew how to do, but it doesn't even come to athletic ability. It's more of just like doing it over and over. So I, I just get anxious. Like I was anxious at, you know, morning runs, morning practices, where to be. I didn't know the names of different buildings. And, you know, grad transfers were a little older. So, like, they kind of expect, you know, for you to know some stuff. Sure. Um, and, and just kind of they put most of the, you know, focus on the freshmen and younger guys. Um, and so that was tough. But I kept on pushing. I absolutely loved the guys, uh, the teammates of Vanderbilt, some unbelievable people. Um, and, you know, fall camp comes around. Absolutely loved fall camp. Uh, you know, Coach Fitch, they're the offense coordinator, unbelievable guy. Uh, had a really cool offensive system um, and you know but again it was tough and Vanderbilt's protocols were very very strict uh, some sure. schools handled it differently Vanderbilt was really strict so at times it didn't even necessarily feel like the football that I loved although I still loved it because it's football you know at the end of the day if you love football you're going to play it in any conditions right. uh, but then near the beginning of the season I start having some hamstring issues actually in the warm-ups of a game uh, just like that, like, you know, and my hamstring just, I was like, okay, do I just, you know, I didn't really want to tell anyone about it. I put on a sleeve, um, but it was absolutely killing me post game. Uh, like I couldn't even like, you know, do anything. Like I, I couldn't go, we weren't really allowed to go out or anything like that, but like go see some of my teammates or hang out with them after game. I couldn't do that. Like I literally went straight to my, you know, apartment, I put on ice and it was killing me like it hurt so bad I was in a lot of pain um and so yeah I found out that I injured my hamstring uh and this is the very beginning of the season and so I'm then having to rehab for like three to four weeks and I'm thinking okay like two weeks has gone by like this is gonna get better like you know like this is I've got to be like somewhere close I've never had a soft tissue injury um and then I had a you know my grandmother passed away um and I can't really I had to go to the the funeral via zoom which is like just a weird weird thing and like i really wanted to be with my family 
Um, but my dad was, you know, and, and my parents and I were talking and just how much she wanted me to be at Vanderbilt uh, and, and everything like that and, and be here for this last season. Um, so I actually spoke at her funeral on Zoom um, and then goes by like a week and a half, two weeks later, I'm still rehabbing my hamstring and I'm, uh, you know, I'm just kind of out of it. Like I'm like, I'm going every morning to get this done. I'm working extremely hard to get it back, but it's just not, you know, their training staff is unbelievable um, and doing everything possible. And I'm listening to all these different things, but it's just like mentally and physically, I'm not able, I'm not doing it. Like I'm trying to go out there and, you know, work on doing routes or something and it's not there. And then another, uh, my grandfather on my mom's side passed away. Uh, and you know, like those two weeks later and I'm like, well, shit, like this, this sucks. And in perspective, you know, my life's amazingly blessed. I, I like, I, you know, understand that a lot of people would want to be in my shoes and the place or situation I'm in. But for me personally, it was, it was tough. Like I was already enduring a lot of pain and loss and, you know, hadn't really even sunk in from the first loss I had. And then my grandfather passes, um, and extremely close to both of them. So it's like, you know, it's, it made the whole situation really, really hard. Uh, and with my hamstring, I'm like, okay, so let's see if I go back for a funeral or go to see my family. Cause I need to see my family. I'm going to come back and have to quarantine for two, three weeks and still don't know if my hamstring is going to be a hundred percent. Um, and so it's like, at that point, the season's almost over. Uh, is it necessarily worth it? And I like, prayed about it, talked to my family about it. Um, and, and just thought, you know what, like at this point, it's probably going to be best for me to go see my family. So I ended up opting out, going to see my family and, you know, being with them, um, and then coming back and trying to continue doing, uh, you know, school and train, uh, as well. You did something really hard for you personally. You ended something that you loved so much because you wanted to be with your family. I, I applaud you for that. I'm so sorry for your loss. And um, for people to recognize an athlete going through, look, all of us during COVID had a tough time. I can't think of maybe pe many people that had an okay time during COVID, right? But for, for athletes, it was especially hard. You had guys that it was their senior season and it gets canceled and they can't play their, their final year. You know, that's hard. Or guys like yourself who get hurt, and it's like you you can't just go home and come right back and start rehabbing. You gotta you gotta do a two week two week waiting period, and that sets you back another two weeks of rehab. Then you have to go add another couple weeks onto it. So for you to make the decision that family is first before your your passion and your love for football, I applaud you for that, man. That is a tough thing, a tough decision, and. Um, yeah. Good on you, man. That is, that is real tough, man. I appreciate it. It's been uh, it wasn't, it definitely wasn't easy. Um, it's definitely left me in kind of a funk uh, after it. Um, but just continuing to, to figure things out and, sure. you know, realize that uh, like you're saying, like there's, there's things more important than even if I absolutely love the game of football, I can't tell you how much, but uh, right. th there's things that are, that are more important. And it's just like, I don't know, it, it was just one thing after the other. It's like, okay, you know, I, going, having to deal with this first loss, you know, continuing, I, I can do this injury kicks in like, okay, there's two things, but I still love this game. I'm not willing to give up. I can do this. And then it's like at a certain point, then, you know, you get this other loss and it's like, is it, is it really at this point versus like, I can do this or really what's best, like what's best for me personally. Uh, and that's when I had to decide, you know what, it's not like giving up. Cause I get this image in my head that it's like, Oh, I'm giving up if I don't No, you know. man, you didn't um, give up, dude. Come on, stop oh, absolutely. That. Stop yeah. that, no, I, but that's something I had to like figure out. And then sure. when I came to that conclusion, like, okay, yeah, this is not, you know, then that's what I did was best for me. And, um, you know, obviously right now, again, it's left me in a, it's, it's been a whole weird rest of the year, but you know, I'm thankful I got to see my family and, uh, you know, just, I, I, I know later on, I'll, I'll appreciate the, the things and decisions I made today. You made a great decision and you also had an unbelievable career to begin with. I mean, you played at Alabama for, for God's sakes, right? No, nobody, not many people can say that, but to get to the, to, to right now where I met you was clubhouse. You are a clubhouse influencer, celebrity, whatever you want to call it. And I don't, I don't want to hear it, dude. You're on, you're in every room. Everyone loves you. 
what was the reason you joined Clubhouse? Because I see you're big on TikTok, you're big on the gram, you're big on Twitter. Was it for networking purposes or was it for uh, just for fun? And for people at home that don't know what Clubhouse is, get on it. I mean, Matt can tell you, get on it. It's a great time. If you want to network or do you want to have some fun, it's perfect. But tell me, like, what was the decision behind joining Clubhouse? And when did you do it? I think you did it in January. Or- January. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, I have a, a friend, Will uh, Weinbach, who's on there, who told me about it, like, kind of a little while back. I was like, you got to get on SAP. I'm like, okay, like, you know, I'm busy, but sounds cool. And then a girl I've been helping out and I work for kind of with music named Bailey Coates. She's from Birmingham, Alabama, um, a pop artist. And she told me, she's like, hey, look, you know, I'm going to send you an invite for this. I think you should definitely get on. Would love for you to check it out, you know, and tell me what you think. Um, maybe we can come up with some ideas to utilize it and strategize. And so I said, okay, you know, shoot me over the invite or whatnot. And jumped in and like literally no one really told me what was going on it's just kind of like this i you know my friend will invites me in this room it's like 400 people talking about social media how to build your brand and he like brings me up on stage and then here i am like on my first day talking to you know 400 whatever people about sure. how to utilize tiktok how to you know brand yourself on tiktok uh, and i'm like this is kind of cool um and and i enjoyed doing it and then like as time went on it's like okay there's more than just these like Instagram and social media secrets rooms, there's actually rooms talking about sports. So I started kind of making some sports rooms. I wanted to connect with some people in that field. Um, and I don't know like what the skill would be or quality, but I found that I enjoyed and, you know, had some skill at being able to create spaces where people felt comfortable talking about different things or who they were, but right. also with some sense of structure and ability to like move the conversation from one thing to the next without having any kind of, you know, ill intention for myself or getting anything for myself of like, look, this conversation is going to get me this, or this thing is going to get me this. I really just truly loved starting up conversations and then helping people get a voice. Like, who you know, who had a voice, like, obviously I'll chime in uh, occasionally or whatnot, but right. I think that's like one of the key things that I really loved is like I could start something from just my heart, who I am, you know, and, and really respect others and love others. And if I'm doing it out of love and respect and start these spaces, then they just tended to fill up. And like, you know, people came in and uh, I guess, I don't know, like I, you know, I started to whatever, just be in all kinds of different rooms. Because Your rooms are um, funny as hell, man. I got to say, dude, I mean, you have the game changers room. You, you founded that one. You have the Alabama football club. You founded that one. But the shoot your shot rooms, dude, that's what I, I was like. I think that was my first like big room I was in. And I saw you and a bunch of other moderators on. And I was like, there was like I don't know, six, 700 people in there. I'm like, what the fuck <laughs> is this, man? Like shooting your shot in general is already tough already, but do it in front of a bunch of people. And I did it. And I was laughing. It's, it's, and you know, it's what's the beauty of, of Clubhouse. You can put yourself on mute. And in the background, you could be like this, like super cringed out of your mind because like some of the, some of like the mood, like the shoot your shot methods that some of these dudes do or these women do or whatever, it is just sometimes, some of them are awful and it just makes me laugh. But I think that's one of the coolest things about Clubhouse is that you have rooms for business or you have shoot your shot rooms or you have rooms about NFTs, which that's like half of Clubhouse to begin with. And now you're getting celebrities like, I know Blau is huge on it and Gronk was just on it the other day and Scooter Braun's on it and you're getting other athletes too. But do you see Clubhouse staying as big as it is when kind of things start getting back to normal? We can actually individually meet each other and go hang out at bars and so so forth. Yeah, so it's a, it's a good question. It's something that I ask myself a lot and a lot of people talk about. Uh, I don't even know if you've noticed, I haven't been on much at all in the past, probably like seven days or whatnot. Are you drained? Um, I wouldn't say drained from clubhouse, more of just got a lot going on in life. So it's like, I'm True. trying to figure out different things, whether it be like personal stuff, family stuff, school, sure. you know, job, whatever, all these different directions. And so it's like, I realize like I got to kind of focus up on these things and figure them out. I got to stop spending so much time on clubhouse. I think that it'll, it, audio apps like it, and I think Clubhouse as well, will continue to be something. I don't know if they'll ever hit mainstream, and the reason why I had a good conversation about it with someone is the same way that, like, you know, TikTok. It's massive. It's, it feels like it's everywhere, and it, it could 
be considered mainstream, I guess, but like, yeah, for sure. But it's like at the same time, there's still a bunch of people that are not on TikTok. There's still a demographic. So I think you're going to have a certain demographic on Clubhouse. I think that in any audio apps like that in the future, you're going to have people who want to network. You're going to have people who want to talk, communicate. That's going to be something that people always want, regardless if we're able to see each other or not. And it sure. gives a, a little bit more comfortability because you're not doing it through Instagram or, or TikTok where you're seeing these videos or more picture focused or whatever. This is directly off your voice, which usually shows a little bit about who you are. Now, there's some people who obviously can can do a good job of uh, putting on a facade or whatever it may be with sure. their voice. But for the most part, it's it's it comes from your voice and people don't really necessarily look at your achievements and all this and stuff as much as they do like, you know, how was this conversation? Like, how is this person valuing the conversation? Um, but again, we could talk on for, I could go down the rabbit hole. I know on, you can dude. I know on, on clubhouse, but I think that it will be um, a thing. You know, I, I think it'll continue to be a, a fun app and grow and uh, keep growing. Yeah. I think I'm definitely addicted. I would say the first like three <laughs> weeks I was like, dude, I I'm at, it's like three o'clock in the morning. Like, what am I doing? That's the bad thing. You can be on the app for, for freaking hours and not even know it. It just flies by. I've met some yeah. cool people on. I, I've met some people from that live in New York that we're all going to meet up in like the next couple of months and go all hang out. But I think that's also a great thing. But to end this interview, I have a game that I play with my guests. I need you to get your phone out. I'm going to be right. DMing you on Instagram. Some photos that you post on Instagram, we're taking a deep dive into some photos and then you're going to tell me some stories about them. All right. All right. And we're doing three of them. So it's to be three different stories. Let's see if my uh, internet now starts to work. So yeah, it's about, all right, here we go. So you will see a DM from me and then you're going to tell me the story about it. So the first one is this one. On May 17th, 2019, you posted this photo with you and Gary V. Tell me about the whole story, like, how did you first, how did you get the opportunity to sit down with Gary V, which I know is almost impossible to do with his busy schedule. And <laughs> what did you guys talk about? Yeah. So the whole story of like how I got there is pretty long and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about it sometime, but basically just worked hard. So like, you know, I found out who he was. He came and spoke to Alabama's football team. I made some moves talking to one of his assistants, then, you know, reaching out email via, et cetera. We got on a Zoom call. He ended up like talking to me. He was like, you know, if I could get you up to New York, I'd love to give you some type of like internship opportunity. And I said, look, like, it, well, he was like, and the problem is just getting you up here. How's that going to work, et cetera? And I was like, look, you give me the opportunity, I'm going to be there. Like, I'll crawl. I don't care what it is, you know? Right. Uh, and just like kind of just speaking. And he was like, he was like, okay. He's like, done. He's like, you're coming. He's like, I'm going to figure it out. He's like, you said exactly what I wanted you to say. Um, you know, and, and that whole process was a little bit longer, but yeah. So then I ended up going up there for a week, uh, was in New York for a week and just hanging out with team Gary, getting to meet members of his team, sit in on just different conference meetings, meetings between different employees, um, and just kind of see how the whole thing went and really get to just hang out and, and vibe with the, the people in his office. Uh, and then got to meet with him as well, which was a crazy cool experience and I had a lot of fun doing um, and, and just tons of respect for him and, and the way he runs, you know, his business is, you know, everything is group. This is, is the staff. They love to be there. Everyone's just engaged, fired up all the time. Um, and it was a pretty crazy experience. It was a, like, it was once in a lifetime. It was awesome. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Gary V's a cool, cool guy. I've never met him, but just listening into his podcasts or his videos, he seems like a great personality. The second one here, this one, you mentioned what it was like to be on the team. You mentioned what it was like getting coached by him, but this photo in particular is a photo of you and Nick Saban when you were a, a child and then you as an adult with Nick Saban. You posted this on December 9th, 2019. <laughs> you said time flies. The relationship with you and Nick what was that like? And I, I, I want to hear story because I know I know the guy's a hard ass. He's a great coach, but I've heard these good stories that are like, you know, it's very hard to hear from other people that he's a good guy. And he's all this, you know, he's a great coach. He's a father figure. But what was the relationship between you two? As you can see, you guys met early on in your life <laughs> and now you ended up playing for. 
Yeah, so I, I went to, you know, the Nick Saban football camp the very first year it started. Um, you know, went to all those camps, made on the all Saban team or whatnot. Um, and, and Coach Saban didn't know who I was at that time or anything. I, I was just a little fan, a little, you know, hard worker at the camps or whatnot. Um, and then get to the point of being a player. And then that process, you know, I would love to say, oh, we're like best friends. But in reality, there's not many players who are super close to Saban. Um, he has guys that like are throughout the years, like Minka Fitzpatrick. He watched film with Coach Saban. They were close. You know, I'd say Tua, Jalen, um, you know, guys who really developed that really good deep relationship with him. But in a way, the way he does it is, you know, I respect him and he cares and he's awesome because he really does look out for each individual. I, I, I believe that, um, I, you know, I think with post ball, with anything, he really does look out for these guys and wants to develop us into good men. Um, but the reason he's not so close to each guy, like, you know, we could say, Hey, I would see him in the you know hallway of the complex. What's up coach Shaven? Like, how are you doing Mac, et cetera. Knows like all the guys' names for the most part. Um, but the, the way he does his process is like, you know, you have these players coaches, you have these guys who these coaches are friends with the players, always want to know what the players are doing, cool with them, dapping them up all the time, et cetera, which I think is awesome. And I kind of wanted that at sometimes while I was at Alabama, but the reason the way he does it in which people think, you know, it might be all mean or whatever. No, he's just invested into this process that he knows is going to create success and create good, you know, young men for the future. Uh, and, and that makes it so that he has to be this guy who's kind of up here. He's like this, you know, essentially like a manager of sure. the team of the whole entire business. If you put it into a business perspective and you have these like other coaches, the position coaches, those are the guys who are having really personal relationships with us. Um, getting to know us and he puts his values onto them and tells them things that he wants you know the guys to know and so and, and coach Saban would talk to us at, before practices special teams meetings team meetings etc and he's always on the field chewing people out uh you know hysterical like the the, right. the things he used to say are you know uh, absurd it's it's, it's <laughs> freaking awesome uh but I, I've always loved those kind of coaches and just he's he's hard on guys and he requires a standard no matter who you are you got to do things the, the right way uh, and treat people right um and yeah he just that so my relationship was i obviously it was my coach but it's not like i'm like buddy buddy with him or anything like that i wish i knew him better um but i realized there was a reason for that why he does that and then and, and does things that way well that's why he's had all these national championships, and he's the best coach of all time <laughs> in college football. Last one here. You post this on November 28th, 2019. It is with your entire family on the field with Nick Saban. I want to say this is your senior day. I want to correct me if I'm wrong because it just seems like it is. Your family means so much to you. You said it before. What did it mean for this photo? Like, What did it mean to be on the field with you, wearing the jersey with coach? Yeah, so uh, it was pretty unbelievable. Um, you know, there's one person even in my family that was, so that's, you got my brother, Patrick, my brother, Billy, my brother, Faulkner, my mom, my dad, my sister, Madeline, and then another brother who's not even in the picture, um, whose name is Kevin, who um, is from Cameroon, Africa, who has kind of just been bought into our family over the years, uh, went to Woodbury High School. Sorry, all that backstory. So like that, just, I love, you know, he's awesome. I wish he was there as well. But in this picture is my, my blood family. Um, and all of us have our own things. I'm the youngest and everyone is everywhere. Uh, you know, my sister's doing this. My other brother's living in Charlotte. Another brother's living in South Carolina. Like we're all over the place. And there's not many times, you know, when you have a big family like that, you want to be with your family and we try to do it as best as we can. But there's not like all these things that bring everyone together all the time, whether it be like an award, like ceremony, banquet, et cetera. But the thing that was so awesome about that is like, I'm not going to lie. We were just having fun. Like I ran out on the field. These other people, you know, were all like sit up straight, like with their family, like ready, waiting because Coach Saban's coming down the lot. Like my brothers and I were like punching each other. Like we're like one of my brothers is grabbing my ball that has like all this stuff on it from the game. It's got all this paint. It's like really nice. He's like trying to pass it to me, like handing it yeah. to one of my other brothers. Like people are probably like, what is this family doing? 
but I absolutely loved it. And, and it was being around this group of people that supported me my whole entire life who each and every one of them has something about them that is extremely like just invaluable, I guess is the word. Um, and they're all just unbelievable. Like they love me and they, they've been the best siblings that you could ever ask for, uh, as well as my parents, just like unbelievable parents. And so being with everyone out there at the same time, it's like, I could, you know, Alabama football, amazing. All these accomplishments, all these accomplishments, amazing. But like, this is what I love right here. Like my family out here on the field together. Um, and then it was just cool, obviously, for them to get to meet Coach Saban uh, and him to take a picture with us. But, you know, and all the fans, all that in that moment, all the craziness, like it was just fun just being with my family at the end of the day and having something that brought us all together. Uh, and that they cared about me enough to be there for that since they have all these other things to do. So I absolutely loved that, uh, that moment. And it was, um, you know, it was just a ton of fun. Well, you got a former national champion, a hard worker and a family man. It's Mac Hereford. <laughs> Mac dude. Thanks for coming on. Plug your socials, plug clubhouse club, plug your clubs, go right ahead. The floor is yours. <laughs> all right. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram, uh, and Twitter is Mac, M-A-C underscore H-E-R-E-F-O-R-D. And then on TikTok, it's just M-A-C H-E-R-E-F-O-R-D. I'm on uh, Clubhouse, uh, really just all over the place. Triller, <laughs> just random different apps. You're on Triller? That's uh, sick. That's yeah. Um, you just look up Mac and my last name. Uh, it'll go up, but happy to connect with anyone. And, uh, you know, Taylor, again, I appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Awesome, dude. Thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Shout out to Mac Hereford for joining the podcast. Awesome interview with Mac. If you want to go watch the interview with Mac and I on YouTube, it is up right now. Just type in my name, Taylor Ringgold, and you will find my YouTube page with Mac Hereford and all the other interviews I've done over the past year and a half on the podcast. It's on YouTube. I know you guys might not know that or you do know that, but if you don't, it's there. It's awesome visuals. I make social clips as well that are a little more interactive and has a better visual to some of the stories that my guests tell. And um, we got more interviews coming soon. Actually, next episode, I'll be interviewing the head venture of the Sway House. If you don't know what the Sway House is, it is a TikTok house with guys like Griffin Johnson and Josh Richards and Bryce Hall. There's a couple of guys I've mentioned. But Marshall Sandman is the man. He is the head venture of the Sway House. He has a big role there. He's also worked for Warner Media and Golden Sachs. It's a little different. It's not really on the sports side, but it's more on the entertainment side. Something different that I'm not really used to and not really used to interviewing people like him. But we found each other on Clubhouse. I thought it was super interesting. I heard an interview that he did on Clubhouse. And I was like, you know what? I think I got to interview this guy too. He's got a, a really cool background different side of entertainment and i say you know what fuck it i gotta do it and guess what he's on the podcast next week i'm actually interviewing him tomorrow which is wednesday and uh it's gonna be great be out next week uh will also be on youtube as well but if you want to see more content from me go follow me on youtube like i said before just type my name in on youtube and you'll find my youtube page right there go follow me on instagram and twitter clubhouse um i'm all there we got an interview with Shea Hillenbrand on my Clubhouse Club and will be on CH on Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern time. If you missed that, it's no problem. We'll have more interviews with baseball players on my baseball club on Clubhouse during the whole regular season. Of course, we'll also talk about a ton more baseball there. Um, I know I'm just plugged a ton, but I know we usually do. You guys usually hear me talk about topics that happen in the sports world on the third and last part of the podcast. But today we're not going to do that. It's been a while since I did a pod. I'll just treat you guys to the interview. And then next week and the weeks to come, we'll do more of the topic based um, discussions with sports uh, events that are going on in the sports world like I've always done. But this time we're just doing the interview with Mac. I uh, hope everyone has a great rest of their week and a great weekend. Shout out to Matt Carriford for coming on the podcast. And you will see more interviews coming soon, including next week with Marshall Zaman. Um, all right. Everyone have a great week, and we'll see you guys next week. Peace. Peace.